Hi, and welcome to the Naturamama podcast. My name's Spectalia, I'm a qualified naturopath, and I'm your host. Previously on the Naturamama podcast, we spoke to Tanya Delahoy about tired mums, and today we'll be speaking to Pinky McKay about infant sleep. So welcome to the Naturamama podcast. I'm Beck, and today I'm with uh, breastfeeding expert and lactation consultant Pinky McKay. She's an author of four books on uh, infants and sleeping and children and toddlers. And she's a speaker, having done a TED Talk on Surrender. Thank you for coming and speaking to me on the podcast today, Pinky. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Beck. <laughs> no worries. No worries. So tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you end up, I suppose, coming into this career where you uh, are able to teach people so much about infants and breastfeeding and things like that? Oh, I think it's been quite a long, long progression because when I had my first baby, um, the only information around was Woman's Weekly, a new idea, and how many jackets and how many nappies you needed. Yep. <laughs> and I went to a breastfeeding talk with Sister Mary Constance, the nun. Yes. Who had a table covered in burko kettles. They were a kind of kettle that was there in the 70s. Yeah. Kettles and scoops and powders and bottles. And she stood in front of it in her nun bonnet for the whole night. She said something like, if you're going to um, bottle feed your baby formula, you'll learn about that in hospital. I'm going to talk about breastfeeding tonight. I didn't remember a single thing she said about breastfeeding. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I just had this vision of all these bottles and scoops and thought, I'll kill my child. But I had been a nurse up yeah. till then. And I'd worked in maternity wards in New Zealand as well. And... Um, I also did that between my children because I went back to New Zealand and I worked weekends between my children. Um, and by then, I, <clears throat> with my first baby, I had gone along to La Leche League to find out how to wean him. He was about a year old. Yeah. And I realised, well, he might have been a bit older than that. Anyway, I realised that I didn't actually have to wean him. He could do it himself. Yeah. And that was lovely. And I, that was my start of beautiful education and support from other women because when I had that first baby here in Melbourne there were only two other women in my mother's group who were breastfeeding one was a pediatric nurse one was the wife of a dentist and they both stopped at three months not because of problems yeah but that was what you did that was a good start yeah and so it was just lovely having this beautiful support and I became a group leader with LHA League and supported other mums and then we came back to New back to Australia um and I didn't have that same support and I started a LHLE group. I mean, nursing mothers was around. I went to a nursing mothers meeting and was told it was at night time that this is our night without our children. I had yeah. a six month old baby. So it didn't really, you know, no. I didn't feel that support around me. And I'd also gone to a lecture at the local kindergarten with a professor from Monash who talked about behavior modification. And again, I had my six month old baby with me. And he was talking about leaving babies to cry and some someone put up their hand and said how long do you leave them to cry because this was the hardcore sleep training that went on extinction yeah by the 80s i've had babies in the 60s uh, the 70s the 80s and the 90s yeah so you know five kids over that 18 year span yeah and um he said oh till they stop and i was just beside myself thinking what the hell have i got into here and that trip and i went to a conference and i met um, a lady who was the vice president of nursing mothers and she'd always been fascinated by the lecture league so we together found out she lived in Vermont which is very close to me and we started a lecture league group and that was sort of the start of you know being surrounded by mums being able to support mums and learning as I went and um, I think it was really around 
uh, I actually have Graves' disease, but I didn't know what was wrong. I had a big thyroid episode. Yep. Um, got the big lump in my neck that came out triggered by a virus it was and that was probably the start of what triggered my autoimmune disorder but nobody had diagnosed it at that stage and everybody was sending me off for scans because they thought I had cancer which I didn't Mm -hmm. thankfully yes yes, yes. (laughs) I I was very lucky but I was very very sick and I barely walked past the letterbox for about six months like it wasn't that bad yeah and um I was broke and I thought what am I going to do maybe I could write an article for the age Mm-hmm. Why not? <laughs> of course. You know, doesn't everybody just do that when they're broke? Because I can write. And I wrote an article for Rosemary West for the feminist. There was a feminist page at the yeah. time. And she asked me if I could write more for her. Yeah. I was even sent out to do um, the feminist perspective of a one-woman King Lear play. And as she was telling me what she wanted, I've got a toddler sitting on my knee having a boob. <laughs> you know, a two-and-a-half-year-old having a boob. Yeah. And thinking, thank God there's no video phone. I didn't know that eventually there would be. Um, <laughs> so it's FaceTime now, but yeah. I used to think that. So anyway, I did that. But then someone from the education age yeah. um, saw something I'd written and I, and I wrote something for him because I was homeschooling. So, and that went, I think I ended up on TV with that one. Yeah. And sort of everything just kind of spiralled out. And someone else from the Herald Sun saw something that I'd written for the education page and said, oh, I'd love you to write for me. And I said, what topics? Yeah. And he said, health, education or families, parenting. And I went, oh, thank God it's not politics or finance. <laughs> I can win this one. Yeah. So it went from there and I started writing for magazines and then someone asked me if I'd write a book, um, if I wouldn't... Um, interpret an American book and Australianize it yeah and of course I got this book and it was about talking to kids about topics yeah. that were difficult and it was so conservative I went we wouldn't even talk like this in Australia so I went mm. I just said can I just redo it so I went out and interviewed experts yeah and it was before the internet so when you're interviewing experts you know all your information was in the ivory tower it wasn't on the internet yeah yeah um, you know, so this was really interesting. You know, they'd talk to you in very academic language. And I'd just say, listen, I'm a mum of a three-year-old. I just want to know what to do. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, then they'd bring it down and I'd be the one sort of translating it into normal yes. mother speak. Yeah. Um, so it sort of went on from there. And then I, the internet came in and I just saw this incredible lack of confidence happening to mothers, you know, where, you know, none of our mothers were worried about doing the wrong thing no my mother's champion one because i was a bugger at school and i got diagnosed as an adult with adhd so god if your kids got adhd don't even worry about it they'll be fine (laughs) (laughs) as long as they can get through the school stuff um i got straps and canes and all sorts of things at school but um my teachers had called my mum in for a meeting and she said I'm not coming to any more meetings. You can do what you like with her. I've had a gut full of her too. This was when I was about 16. (laughs) So, you know, our parents weren't, you know, and as more and more information came in, I'm not saying our parents did the right thing. No. But nobody had this, you know, they were all confident. Yes. And they talked to their neighbours about what was going on with their kids. There was no shame about it. There was no actual judgment, nothing like that. As the internet came in and we got more and more information, I saw people losing their intuition. Yes. With their children. And, of course, I wanted to support gentle parenting um, and, you know, that intuition. And I decided I would write a book. Yeah. And I rang a publisher in Melbourne and said, um, can I, I need to speak to, a, you know, I need an editor's name. 
Yes. I didn't quite know she was called the acquisitions editor. <laughs> so I put the phone down and then I rang this woman. Yeah. And I explained to her what I wanted to do. And she said, oh, look, we don't do parenting books. And I went, okay. Because by then I was writing for magazines and everybody I was writing for was out of Sydney. There were yeah. no publishers that I knew in Melbourne. And I thought, I don't really want to, you know, couldn't afford to fly to Sydney anyway at that no. point in time. No. And leave my kids and go and see a publisher. And I didn't really know what happened about that sort of thing. Yeah. So, um... Hang up the phone. I said, oh, well, maybe that's not a good idea. And then a couple of days later, she rang me. She said, look, we're really interested in this book. Can you write it for fathers too? And I went, I suppose so, if I talk to fathers. Because I said, I'm not going to tell them what to do. Yeah. I'm just going to talk to them about, you know, the things that, um, you know, their intuition speaking to them and, and why we need to listen to this sort of thing. Yeah. And that's how Parenting by Heart came about. Fantastic. That was my first book. Oh, wonderful. And so with that publisher, next thing, there was 100 Ways to Calm the Crying. And then yeah. I wanted to do a baby sleep book because people were saying, oh, my baby's not crying, but he doesn't sleep. Yeah. And so, and by that stage, I'd done infant massage training because I'd always massaged my babies. I, a sick woman taught me to massage my babies. Oh, wow. So yeah. I had done baby massage and someone invited me to speak to the baby massage, Australian massage Infant Massage Association, and then yeah. I did their course, and you know, so I started teaching massage. And I thought, and I was at a conference somewhere, and someone said to me, "Why don't you do your lactation consultant training?" Yeah. And I said, "Hmm, hadn't really thought of that." And so I went and googled and looked it up, and I went, "Oh my god, I've got all the prerequisites. I just have to do this, the education." Yeah. And you know, because I had the hours, both working in a hospital and being a breastfeeding counsellor, I had all those hours, so I yeah. was able to put it all together, and then sat my exam and. Yeah, did that, and I found because I, you know, while I was doing baby massage classes at a local hospital, I was referring all these mums for their breastfeeding help because I thought I'm stepping over the line here. Yeah. So I was referring them to a friend who was an IBCLC. Yes. And so I, I thought, oh well, if nothing else, it'll help my knowledge base. Well, of course, once I've done that, yeah, I had to practice. And <laughs> I love it. I just love seeing. Yeah, mums feeling confident and happy. Yes, yeah. Which I think, and you're quite right, since the advent of the internet, and um, I mean, I see it as well in practice, is that mums really don't seem to trust what they feel is going on with their children anymore. Or there's a lot of questions online. It's the Facebook forums, you know, what does everyone think about this and this? And then, of yes. course, you get 15,000 different answers. Yeah. Yeah, around it as well. You're getting well. all these different answers and your head's, you know, just absolutely floated with information. Yes. And a lot of it's not helpful. No, yeah. A lot you of know. it very anxiety producing i think for a lot of people oh, as well well a yeah. lot of normal stuff is quite pathologized yes yeah yeah absolutely absolutely you know you think there's something wrong when really there it's a pretty normal baby <laughs> yeah. or you know it's normal to be worried about something and yeah if you are, i always say to mums is it safe is it risk when you want to try something new with your baby is it yeah. safe is it respectful yeah and does yeah. it feel right for you because yeah. someone can be telling you to do something and you think i can't do that with my baby yeah you know, or I, it doesn't feel right to me. Yes, yeah, mm. absolutely. And so um, today I wanted to have a bit of a chat about infant sleep because it's certainly questions that I see a lot on online Huge. forums. Big thing. <laughs> it's also the holiest of holy grails for many of us. And I think there's a sometimes a real misconception out there about what might be normal and what might fall outside of that definition of normal, in inverted commas, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, and there can be patches, you know, as babies go through developmental stages, they will wake up, I mean, they're learning to roll over, so they'll roll over in their sleep. Yes. And then yeah. they wake up, like, people think they're waking up and... And doing it. <laughs> doing it, they're not, they're flipping in their sleep because in that light sleep, it's... Yes. You know, their little brains, circulation to their brains double its normal um, 
whatever. Yes. Yeah. Level. Yes. Sorry. That's all right. Normal level. <laughs> Normal yeah. levels. Yeah. When, when, yeah, because when babies are in that light sleep, yes. the circulation of the brain is double its normal level. And, um, you know, so they're, they're processing information and it's great for their brains, but yeah. not so nice for their mummies. No, no, you didn't have to get up. <laughs> well, she's usually. the one that gets up, I bet you. <laughs> Most of the time. My husband will tell you different, I'm sure. He'll tell you that he got no, up. No, mine's to be honest, because <laughs> I've never got up to wake a baby. Never been woken by a baby. And he told me once when we were visiting a couple who said, um, this mother slept through and her husband would get up and take the baby, shove it on the breast, and then he'd put it back in bed and not go. And my husband's, oh, I never got up to sleeping, but no, never got up to a baby in the night ever. And I wanted to jump on his toe and say, shut up right now. Stop, stop. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> I know, I know. My dad, I'm pretty sure, never got up to us. Was the seventies? Yeah, yeah, that just oh. didn't happen. Um, so what I suppose would be deemed as sort of, I suppose, when uh, children are quite young, normal infant sleep. Well, little babies yeah. with very tiny tummies, newborns, they don't sleep for very long at all, no. and they need between eight and twelve feeds a day at least. You know, they might feed for longer. Yes, and as long as you're having plenty of wet nappies. Yeah, you know, at least five heavy wet nappies i mean if they're feeding all day long and they're not having good wet nappies you do need to get that checked yes yes and see what's going on yes um, you know but they do yeah. wake frequently they have very light sleep they enter sleep through a light sleep phase yeah so it can take them about 20 minutes to actually get into that deeper sleep so most little babies under about four months old they can't self settle no and even till they're three four five i mean you know we expect to read a, a bedtime story to a three-year-old yeah. And help them calm down and slow their little busy brains so that they can relax and go to sleep. Yeah. And there's all this pressure to get your newborns to settle. Yes. And it's really not going to happen. I mean, some babies will. You'll be able to just give them a cuddle and pop them into bed and they'll go to sleep. Yeah. But other babies need, most babies need some sort of help. You know, they're transitioning from the womb to the outside world. Yeah. And it's a big change, absolutely, for a small-time baby. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, I always think of it as a fourth trimester, which is a bit of a strange thing to say when yeah. trimester means three. <laughs> you know, that extra three months, give yourself and your baby, enjoy those beautiful cuddles, skin to skin, and if they have a sleep on you or in a carrier, you know, yeah. that calms their little nervous system so that later in the day they might have a nice, you know, a better sleep. But yes. they probably, you know, if they do only have a 40-minute sleep, that's 40 minutes they've had to sleep. Yeah. And we can spend all day in a dark room patting and shushing. Yeah. Or we can live our lives and our babies, if they're tired, will snuggle up to us and go to sleep. Yes. Yeah. So, Absolutely. you know, but you find your bigger babies, mm. often, you know, the seven or eight months, there's so much development going on that they're likely to wake up at night too. And it, it might be a temporary thing while they're developing. You know, they've got new foods, their tummies feel a bit funny, they're becoming mobile. Um, the teething for teething babies just elevate the head of the bed a bit because when they're lying flat it's a lot more pressure to the ah. lot more circulation to the head and jaw area yes, so yeah. you know it re relieves a bit of pressure if you just put a folded towel under the mattress but yeah another thing i've found is food intolerances ah uh, yes yes so this is a uh, subject very close to my heart um having some myself and um so what kinds of things do you notice if babies have food or children, young children have food intolerances well, they can be very unsettled. You know, just one example, a four-week-old baby, and the parents weren't, you know, this baby, they weren't having loads of visitors. They were both very calm people. Yeah. Um, and the little bub, even if he'd been cuddled to sleep, you'd put him down and he'd 
and some babies you do put down and they startle and they wake up anyway. You know, yes. it's not not always something wrong. But he was a very unsettled, unhappy little fellow. Yes. And we talked about what the mum might have craved or binged on during her pregnancy. And there's yeah. not, a, you know, I haven't found a lot of research around that. It was a bit conflicting. Yeah. That it does anything to the baby. But I was trying to see, well, she was eating healthy foods and citrus was her thing. She said, oh, straight up, she said, oh, citrus, couldn't get enough of it. Yeah. Okay, are you eating any oranges, mandarines, drinking any juice, fruit juice of any kind at the moment? Because I was starting to think salicylates could be, you know, this naturally occurring chemical that can yes. be in totally healthy foods. Yes. And she was thinking, no, I'm not eating any citrus. And her husband went to the fridge, came out with an orange juice two-litre bottle. And there was about yeah. an inch of it in the bottom of the bottle. He said, when did you buy this? And she said, yesterday. He said, I haven't drunk any. Ah. <laughs> and I would say to a mum, look, dairy, chocolate, you know, the, mm. the, the obvious culprits. And they yeah. would say, oh, no, no. And then dad or someone, you know, someone in the room, grandma would say, would you like a drink of Marlowe? And you go, yeah, yeah dairy and chocolate. Yes, yeah. You know, and they're actually <laughs> drinking quite a few cups. They're not just having an occasional drink. They're yeah. going for it. Yes. And often it's that, you know, bigger level. Yes. And so anyway, this mum stopped the orange juice and in 48 hours she had a settled baby. Amazing, yeah. And it, it can work quite quickly, can't it? It certainly can. It really doesn't take too long with little children because it's just, you know... Well, it's dose-dependent, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, so yeah. There's a real tolerance level. Yes, yeah. yeah. And sometimes with the older babies, you know, I find... Look, there was another one, an eight-month-old, who was... It turned out her... Look, there were so many things that could have possibly been going on. This baby was waking ten times a night. Yes, yeah. You know, beautiful, healthy, crawling, gorgeous engaging eight month old but mum was stuffed yeah <laughs> she was a complete wreck yes and um turned out that yeah and a, and a breastfed baby you know yes. not, like everything was beautiful um and you know she was crawling she was really developing very very well yeah um and it turned out she was doing baby led weaning and this kid's favorite food was broccoli she was eating broccoli every night i mean i noticed the mum changed the nappy and i said oh nappy's but specks of green what's she been eating and she said broccoli yeah. she like that oh she loves it she has it every night yeah no broccoli is quite a high in salicylate so she went on to a low salicylate diet yes and you know again two or three nights later she texted me and said we've nailed it and i said she slept last night from 10 p.m till 5 a.m which is actually a good stretch like yes. you know baby's up to a year old will still wake at night it's no yeah. and even after that it's not you know, that's yeah. all within normal range because you hear people say by six months they won't need to a night feed. Well, they yeah. just might. Yes, yeah. You know, they're developing. And, and the night milk has got your um, tryptophan, very high in tryptophan, which is yes. your precursor to serotonin, which is great for their... You know, we now know our serotonin receptors are in our gut. We need to develop these. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, your gut brain thing, it's yeah. a lifetime thing. So yes. if the babies are getting this night milk, and it might not be through the night, it might be late evening, you know. Yes. 10 o'clock at night or something like that but you know anyway I said to the mum look I'm sorry please don't get your hopes up too much because every now and then your baby can throw you an overnighter yeah all right we've heard it's begun we're gonna wake up the same time tomorrow we're gonna walk around the block in the same direction we're gonna put the same pajamas on this kid you know we had lunch right on the dock that we did yesterday and it it doesn't happen again for weeks but yeah no a week or so later the mum's saying no it's all good yeah and she stretched a little bit longer and I went okay do you want to test the broccoli? 
Yes. And she went, no way. <laughs> I wouldn't have done She's it. She's not <laughs> getting that till she can talk it herself. <laughs> no way. I wouldn't have given myself no, no. way. No. <laughs> but sometimes, you know, with the older babies, it might be things like grapes they've been binging on, you know. Yeah. Nice little finger foods or berries. Yeah, because they can eat a lot in a sitting when you mm. think about kids, you know, and I think about the kids I've seen. You know, 12 or so, they can, they can eat a lot yeah, of berries. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and if you cut them out for a while, they yeah. settle down and then you give them a little bit. They're often quite okay with a small amount and, you know, all things in moderation. It doesn't mean... Yeah, absolutely. I find, I don't know if you agree, but... No, yeah, absolutely, find, yeah. All things in moderation, including moderation, I believe is the same. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, it's all about uh, the amount. Over, and if you know? they do go to grandma's and have spaghetti sauce, just expect they probably have a wake for a couple of nights. Yeah, yeah. And as long as you know, or you're, you know, I suppose aware that that might happen. Yeah. You know the triggers as well. It yes, makes it's it a not lot the end of the record. world. Yeah, exactly. You know, we can all get up for a few nights. Yes, yeah. And parenting, that's what happens. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, they might be getting it molars, and I find the babies between you know, about 12 and 18 months. That yes. can be really hard work because getting the molars, yeah. you know, that's really big. They're also learning to walk, so there's lots of brain stuff going on for them, but those yeah. molars can be pretty pretty mean to yeah. the canines for some kids. Yeah, absolutely, and that can mm. be cause a lot of discomfort. And, yeah, I've been, most adults, I know can't sleep through discomfort, so no. why are we expecting our children to be able to do it? And, we, and this whole self-setting thing too, the other thing I think of is if you're snuggled up to your partner at night, you don't poke yeah. them in the back and say, Get over your own side of the bed. We're going to create bad habits. Yeah. <laughs> Just as you're dozing off. Yeah, exactly. Now get off. <laughs> so this whole drowsy but awake, you know, you're talking about, no, let them drift into sleep. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. And that's something I did, and I did try at the time to nail. I never mm. managed to do. As soon as I put down my son, he was like, uh, where's my cuddles, thanks? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And even if you warm the bed up. I mean, sometimes with small babies, you can put a towel out of the dryer or you can put a wet pack on and just take the cool off the sheet. Yes, Don't yeah. make it a hot bed, but just take it and... And, you know, you've got that baby all snug, lovely, and you just pop them down, and yeah. you can do that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Do you find that, um, I suppose, uh, people are, well, I suppose we've already covered this a little bit, people are really unrealistic in what they expect or when they expect children to sleep through? I think so, and I think yeah. they've been fed unrealistic ideas by a lot of health professionals, you know. And yeah. They're told things like, if you give your baby a bottle of formula at night, it's going to sleep through the night. Well... The research doesn't show that at all. No, no. You know, it shows that if mothers, the mothers who, quite a big study, Kathleen Kendall-Tackett and some other um, people did a study and they found that the babies who were breastfed at that last feed at night, actually the mum's got another 45 minutes sleep. Oh, wow. And 45 minutes doesn't sound much, but it's... No, it's it's a big deal. (laughs) Big deal, yeah, if you can get another 45 minutes sleep overnight. Um... So the yeah. formula doesn't do that, and you might be introducing potential allergens, and you probably, definitely, will be stuffing up your milk supply. So yeah, why would you do that? Yes, yeah. You know, why would you introduce a foreign protein if breastfeeding's going fine? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And um, things like dream feeding as well, I found in a lot of times when I had my son, people would say, oh, you should introduce a dream feed. Well, for me, my son just went, oh, great, extra feed, thanks. Some of them <laughs> I'll still wake that. up at the normal yeah, time. I'll go bonus, but I'm waking up at midnight. Other babies, I found yeah. it really worked well for me with my third baby. And I, there was no name for it then. It was just yeah. that, you know, I had these two boys and I had a six-month-old baby, I had a four- and six-year-old, and I'd get them to bed and then, you know, I'd be ready to go to bed a couple of hours later or so. Yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, they weren't early birds. They'd be 8 to 9 o'clock before they'd go to bed. And I, yeah. you know, think, oh, I'm ready for bed now. Oh, she's probably going to wake up. So I'd pick her up, put her on the boob, take her into bed with me, yeah. and she'd sleep beautifully. Her 
her first stretch would coincide with mine. Yes. So for some people that's going to work for other people. Mm. And sometimes the babies just simply won't wake up for that dream feed. Yes, yes. So, well. you know, if you are going to do a dream feed, breast milk's the way to go. And yeah. evening breast milk is even better because it's got your melatonin in it, which your babies don't produce. You know, yeah. sometimes mums will get express milk and the partner will do it. Yes. Um, which is fine, but you still need to express around that time. Mm. Otherwise, you're not stimulating your breast milk supply. And I always say, if partner's going to do it, yeah. they need to wash all that pump and tubing because it's one more job for the mum. It'd be better if she just breastfed handed the baby to partner to settle and cuddle yeah. and she goes off and has her shower or whatever she needs to do without, you know, because having a shower, you think you hear the baby crying. Oh, every time. And every time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you're not relaxing, whereas if the partner's cuddling the baby and the baby's been had a lovely feed, and yeah. sometimes they cluster feed all evening and that's, you know, hand the baby to the partner who doesn't smell that milk, go off and have yourself a nice warm shower and a drink and... Yeah, no, just relax again. Yes, absolutely. Well, relaxed mums equal relaxed babies. As yeah, far your, as pro- your um, oxytocin response can go a little bit slower after you've done that cluster feeding all night. So, yes, yeah. you know, if you can just relax again, and because your stress hormones might be coming up, you might be questioning your milk supply, which actually is not a problem. Yes. You know, babies will cluster feed. That's what they do, the little babies. Yes, yeah. And often those ones have a nice full tummy and they'll eventually sleep for a few hours Yes. Once you've done that. Yeah. And it's stimulating your milk ready for the next day anyway. Yes, absolutely. And so what do you think that, what do you find are other contributors to babies having very disrupted sleep, I suppose? We've got teething, food intolerances, anything else that tends Sometimes to it's simply developmental. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. And, and there's a lot of development going on for babies. So a lot yeah. of that is perfectly normal. Like, I think if you have a baby, expect it to wake up. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's waking every 45 minutes, you know. <laughs> maybe then start looking into, is everything okay? You yes. know, I mean, maybe they've got some reflux. Maybe maybe they are going through a big developmental stage. Maybe they're coming down with something because if a breastfed baby is exposed to a bug, they are going to step up their feeds incredibly because, yeah. you know, within about 20 minutes of contact at the breast, your body is going to produce immune factors to whatever bug they've been exposed to yeah and also i find things like babies go through developmental stages where they're quite distracted with feeding during the daytime yes so they'll reverse cycle and feed all night or if mum's back at work yes you know it's like they need to catch up with yeah mum contact overnight yeah that's the time that they can Yeah. yeah well if they snuggle all up and they've got boob and they're getting the best milk at night time because mum's relaxed and there's more prolactin Yes. At night time, your, your prolactin levels, which is your milk-making yes. hormone, um, is coming, you know, it's higher at night time when you're rested. So, you know, you do that. But, I mean, if that is happening, it's about getting support and how can you get rest, you know, can you have a, a nap when your partner gets home at night? Yes. Um, you know, can they take over for a little while? If you've got more than one child, it's really, really hard. Maybe, I don't know, I found, like, being a mum of a number of children, I found with my youngest child, I had teenagers, you know, 16 and 18 year olds. So they'd be up late at night. Yes. This little rascal would be up somewhere between five and six in the morning. None of my other kids ever woke up that early, but they'd be up, you know, and he'd be ready to go down for his next nap just as they were leaving for school. Yes, yeah. So, you know, it was it was a really um, tiring time. But, yeah. you know, if you can have a nap during the daytime. Yes. And maybe not every day, maybe sometimes during the weekend, you know, you've got older kids at home you've got a partner at home that can help you if you've got kids at school um you know it's quite okay to pick your baby up yeah top them up lie down have a rest together 
Yes. As long as you've got a safe sleep space, you know, where you're, where you're resting with your baby. And even if you're just resting and listening to a meditation um, type podcast, yeah, you know, just getting that relaxation in is really nice. Yeah, yeah. And really key, I think, to both the mum's general health and yes. mum's as well. Yeah. yeah, so it's really looking after your health. And I also think with mums, when you're tired, mm. we said it every mum I see, you know, that's breastfeeding, that's tired, or even if they're not breastfeeding and they're tired, Get your iron and your thyroid levels checked. Yes. You know, vitamin D and B12 too, but definitely your iron and your thyroid because if you're feeling like rubbish... Yeah. And people will say, it's because your baby's waking up, you need to go to sleep school. Yes. And that is a lot of bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that mum needs to be supported, she needs to be healthy. Yeah. And if something's a little bit out of whack with her... Yes. You can, And you can have symptoms. Some symptoms of low thyroid are, you know, and... Iron levels, but that's the same as postnatal depression. And the mum will just be told she's got postnatal depression. Yes, yeah. Um, it's worthwhile having these screening mm. blood tests just to make sure that everything is going well from that perspective, really. Yes, yes, yes yeah. yeah. And if it is, you know, and if things are all right, I mean, you, you get depleted in nutrients too. So, yes, yeah. You know, particularly your omega-3s, and they can affect, you know, you've grown this baby, you're breastfeeding this baby, you're becoming depleted because... The baby needs these omega-3 fatty acids for their brain development. Yes. And there have been studies showing that if you've got good levels during pregnancy, your baby actually will have a more mature nervous system, so they'll sleep better. So, yeah. you know, you taking that, it goes through your milk. Your baby gets first dibs. You're left behind. Yes, yeah. And so, you know, making sure that your nutrients yeah. are up, and whether it's supplements or whether it's food, you know, it's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe um, I, the requirement for iron during breastfeeding is even a lot higher than even in pregnancy as well, to give a bit of an idea of, you know, particularly with iron levels, because often women will enter pregnancy with lowish levels of iron as That's well. That's right. Yeah. And then they, you know, all that blood of theirs is going to the placenta and then yeah. they have bleeding after birth. So, yeah. you know, your iron levels can be pretty shot. Yeah. And so, you know, I've seen women have an iron infusion and within two weeks they're sparky again yes yeah yeah absolutely so yes getting those things i think you know fundamental with that uh, kind of stuff yes yeah. instead of just suffering on yes. you know, taking seeing that those things are done and yes. that you have the best chance of being as healthy as you can yeah while you're dealing with this absolutely i recently have a, had recorded a podcast with tanya delaware who i think you know I as know well and yes and she's yes. been speaking a little bit about blood tests postnatally as well which was really interesting so i got her to look down her microscope at some breast milk Yes. And yes, it's, it took a video. Yeah, I should actually link that. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I'll send it to you because I did, I think, um, 11 things you might not know about breast milk. Yes, yeah. And it's yeah. really fascinating. Yeah. yeah. No, it's an incredible, uh, just incredible to know that, it, you know, it's tailored to your baby and what's going on on a day-to-day basis and our bodies are so clever. Our bodies are so clever and there's been some really new research about donor milk and yeah. if you're using donor milk but you um pop some of the mother the birth mother's milk into the donor milk it will actually change the donor milk oh wow yeah back to That's her really... type of microbiome oh yeah yeah, yeah. fascinating yeah absolutely and there's a lot of research now being done on well microbiome generally anyway but yeah. you know particularly around infants too and i think that's going to be really interesting to see what comes out of yes because we don't quite know everything do we like no <laughs> no should we give babies probiotics first breast milk i kind of think if the mum takes it and it comes through her breast milk yes yeah you know that it's going to be the yeah. right dose. Yeah, she's going to tailor for her baby. She's going to tailor for her baby, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 
Are there any uh, tips or ideas that uh, you might have to help, other than what we've already spoken about, to help mums uh, encourage better sleep in their in their infants, knowing that they are going to wake up and they are going to be hungry and things like that as well? I would say, look, take, taking care of yourself is mm-hmm. obviously number one. Yes. Because if you're feeling anxious and rattled and stressed about sleep you know every time you put your baby to bed or every time you want your baby to sleep or you feel your baby should be sleeping so yes. don't let anybody should on you yeah um, <laughs> you know but every time you feel that there is so much anxiety around the sleep that yes. I don't think that's helpful for the mother or the baby no you know we hear anxious mother anxious baby which I think is a bit patronizing because I don't think that is necessarily I mean the babies don't read your mind but you will have pheromones when you're anxious so you know but I think taking care of yourself asking for help asking for support from your partner from your mother from your friends you know sharing things with friends I had friends that I used to you know we'd visit each other we'd fold washing together or we'd do a bake-up together and we'd have meals in the freezer ready to pull out you know we'd you know this friend and her kid and my kids and we'd do a cook-up yeah about once a week and you know, we go home with three or four meals and there's an organisation now called Mama Bake where groups yes. actually get to do this, which is quite lovely, you know, sort of more organised groups. But yeah. we would do this, which means that if you're having a crappy afternoon, you've still got some food to pull out at our stick hours. So I think looking yeah. after yourself can help you relax, but I think also going about your day. I think sometimes people are spending so much time worried about their baby being tired when their baby's actually bored. Yes, yeah. And, you know, once you've got a second child, you have to go out. Yes, yeah. You know, you've got to do the kidney run or you have to do the play group or you have to go to the library, whatever. Yeah. So popping your baby in a carrier and going. And if your baby is having short sleeps, instead of, you know, they've woken up at 40 minutes, instead of standing there resettling, yeah. you know, try going in at about half an hour, watch that baby sleep, go in at about half an hour, pop your hand on them and give them a little rock and see if they go back to sleep or put them on the boob and see if they fall back asleep. Yeah. If they don't, pop them in the carrier, get up and go outside and go for a walk and, you know, having the fresh air around them, having nature around them, having a bit of sunlight around them will all help them establish their, you know, more healthy sleep cycles. Yes, yeah, fantastic. Um, if there was any sort of take-home message for parents and um, you know of young babies uh, from this podcast, what what would it be? You may have already said it. <laughs> I would say trust yeah. yourself and trust your baby and trust that communication, that connection between you. Yes, because it's really powerful. You know, have all these voices on the outside telling you what you should be doing with your baby. None of those people know your baby like you do. Yes, you really are the expert about your baby, and you better believe it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and if something's not right. <laughs> Get yep. it checked. Yes. Don't just think she'll be right. Get yep. it checked if you've got any doubts. I mean, you know, your GP might think you're perhaps a bit anxious, but you know yep. what? You're funding their kids' school fees too. There's no such thing as a, you know, ridiculous question. <laughs> That's it. I think you're always right, better off asking and finding out and ruling out than worrying, 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 worrying yeah. about that sort of stuff. And, yeah. and asking strangers on the internet's another yes. big worry because you're going to get, like I say, thousands of different hundreds of different answers yes and look, some of them are going to be very helpful yes yeah and some will be reassuring but others will be just crazy sometimes oh, yeah. i mean some of the advice is pretty silly yes and you just go look you know look filter that with is it safe is it respectful does it feel right for me yeah and then you can't you can't really go wrong with advice like that either <laughs> no no, no. You're, you're working it out and yeah you're filtering it through yes when because yeah. sometimes your intuition does feel a bit you know yeah tippy yeah and you do you do kind of yourself yeah Yeah. 
It does happen. And we all do. Yes. With yeah. different things that might be going on, with whether it's with our kids or our cats or whatever the hell. <laughs> <laughs> whatever it might be. Whatever it might be, ourselves. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um, if people want to know more, Pinky, because obviously you've not just written one book and you've got many feathers in your hat, which is fantastic, where can they find you online? They can go to my website, pinkymckay.com. Yes. Um, or if there's lots of breastfeeding advice too on boobiebickies.com.au. Yes. Um, you know, I do a blog every week, so there's loads and loads of breastfeeding advice there. And we've had other health practitioners right there too. But I have guest blogs on my website from other people that fit with, you know, yeah. that more gentle, responsive type philosophy. Yes. Um, and my Facebook page. Yes. Which again, Pinky yep. McKay. <laughs> and which is my business page not my personal page i've got you know obviously got a personal page which you know don't worry yeah. about that one not much yeah, don't worry about that one <laughs> <laughs> the business movie. page has got the real goal it's there. got the real goal <laughs> yeah. um yeah and it's very interactive you know there are really lovely mums there and if anyone's nasty to anyone yeah delete and ban yeah boop out you go yeah because you know i just can't have it's got to be a oh, safe no. space yeah that's it yeah, exactly yeah. people are very vulnerable in that time and then going out and speak like speaking putting things on the internet can yes. be a very scary thing even with your business page so ignore some of the stuff people can you know yeah. someone can rock up and maybe they don't know look i find now i can leave negative comments and the other mums will jump in yeah yeah um yeah, you know because they they get it which is great there's a beautiful community there there's also a good community on the booby bickies facebook page too so yes um i have a helper with that one yeah <laughs> who is a breastfeeding counselor so the information there is going to be yeah fine and trusty yeah and um, we'll pop all those links on the episode uh summary as well so people can yeah. find them yeah and i'm on instagram as well yeah oh fantastic mm. but i'm pinky mckay one on instagram because there's a okay. used car salesman oh really oh, pinky mckay well, that's interesting no, we'll definitely <laughs> lead you down the wrong path <laughs> <laughs> might be helpful <laughs> and you mentioned that you've written some books or yeah you know, a, a few books what are yes. they called again we've got parenting I've got my, my heart, heart. yeah i've got sleeping like a baby yes um, 100 Ways to Calm the Crying, which is mostly on Audible now because it's, you yeah. know, there's a few copies left, but not a lot left. Yeah. Um, and also Toddler Tactics. Oh, and that is a fantastic book, I have to say. I uh, bought that when my son was maybe about 18 months old, and it just really helped to guide the way I wanted to parent him going forward as well. So that, that Yeah, just helping really you mean. understand kids and, yeah. have, and enjoy that stage rather than fight it, battle it. Yes, yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. Oh, I'm glad it was helpful for oh, you. It was very good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me today, Pinky. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, we've well, uh, got all the links in the uh, episode listings. So have a look, guys. If you want more information, feel free to contact me as well. Okay, thanks, Beck. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. On our next episode, we'll be speaking to Kirsten Lindsay about low-light laser therapy. Thank you for listening to the Natural Mama podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Listening to this podcast is no substitute for seeing a qualified health practitioner. Everybody is different, and the advice and opinions in this podcast cannot take into account individual circumstances and is not intended to take the place of seeing a healthcare or medical professional or seeking medical advice. Before starting any new health regimes or if you have any concerns about your health, please seek advice from a qualified health professional to see if it is right for you and your circumstances.